Hey, someone say hey. Someone say oh. Bridge Youth, how we doing? We good? Like, are we for real good? Or are we doing that thing when it's like we really had a tough day, but it's like I'm just going to put on a face and I'm just going to show up? Hey, that happens. I get it, right? Um, if you didn't hear already, my name is Wyatt, and I am on the generation staff here at the church. And I get to, yeah, wow. Thank you. Um, I get to... Be a part of this amazing church in such an intricate way and be a part of this youth group as well, helping out uh, with the high school ministry, but also leading our young adult, or young adult groups, also young adults, but our connect groups on uh, Sunday mornings as well. And speaking of young adults, I do get to lead our young adults group, which is amazing. All of our young adults, I love you guys. And for everybody who's here, I love you as well. If you're on the other side of that camera... I love you too. Even though you couldn't make it, I get it, right? But you're here and we love you for it. Uh, shout out too to our amazing Next Gen pastors as well. Uh, pastor Amber and Pastor Corey, killing it, always doing a great job. We love them as well. And uh, they were just in Idaho this past weekend and they finally thawed and hopefully are feeling, are feeling better. They were saying that it was, you said negative, negative 20 in Idaho. Yeah, never. It's, uh, it's funny because growing up, I would always tell my dad, keep in mind, my dad grew up in Ohio, which is like a make-believe world. And um, I would tell him, yeah, I like the cold, you know, but I like Southern California cold. Anybody else, you know, like, like I like it when it's, when it's 60 and it's sunny, you know, like that's great. But my dad used to tell me, you do not even know what cold is. Because cold is shoveling out your car because it's been snowed in and uh, not knowing how to get to work or to school, right? Like, imagine right now a blizzard just hits and, like, Vista Marietta High School is like, we still have school. Somehow make it, right? It turns into the purge out of nowhere. But um, we don't have to deal with that and we're lucky for it. So we are in week two of our series, Devoted. Someone say Devoted. This whole series is based off of a uh, verse in the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 2. This is a brand new Bible, by the way. If you, ever, if you ever get a brand new Bible, you know it has to be like broken in. You know what I mean? Like you try to hold it a certain way and it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, that's what I'm feeling right now. But Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 42, this is what our series is all about. It says, and they devoted. Someone say devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. Someone say amen. You know, I love my friends. Anybody else you love that you have some amazing friends? Hopefully you do. Um, if you don't, my prayer this year is that you make some amazing friends because I can be real. Having great friends and people that you can rely on is very difficult. If anybody can relate to that, say Amen. And once you find them, they are a treasure, and it's something unique to be able to have. I have a group of guys that I get to call some of my best friends. Of course, Pastor Corey is a part of that. Pastor Corey and I go back farther than you guys could ever imagine. Uh, he used to be my youth pastor, and I've forgotten more about Corey than you will ever know about him, just to put it into perspective. Um, so, so Corey, uh, some of our other friends too, 
Gary Garcia, who is a legend in our SoCal network, uh, Elliot Bland, who's spoken here before, and also our boy Solomon Joy as well, who does some amazing work with graphics. He's got a new clothing brand coming out. Check that out. It's called Sky. And um, so it was, it was the four of us, right, not including Gary Garcia, but it was the four of us, Solomon, Elliot, Cor uh, Corey, and myself. We were at Pinecrest, which is where we have our summer camp. And we were up there because we were having a meeting talking about the next year of summer camp. And so uh, we were done with our meeting. We were walking back. And if you've ever been to Pinecrest before, you know that there's this giant rock wall. Do you know what I'm talking about? You've seen it before. You might have never gone on it before. But if you like rock climbing, it's exactly like that. But it's this one where it's like four sides to it and it has the rappel system. And you have to have the whole harness with it. You have to have a whole setup with it. Now, when we were there, nobody was monitoring it, right? So, of course, we're like, we got to climb it, right? We're dudes. Of course, we're going to make dumb competitions out of anything. And so, what we did was that we hopped the fence and we're like, all right, let's see how far we can get up. So, of course, one of us climbs up and it's like, we're pretty high up. We're looking down. Okay, I think I'm good. We climb down. The next one's like, all right, I either have to get to that rock or one higher. You know what I mean? So, we all just start going through. And at a certain point, uh, we start to use like the rappel system. At least we tried to. None of us actually went for it. And so we have the rappel hooks on our uh, pants belt loops. And uh, as we're climbing up, we're like, I don't think I can do it. And so we just like climb back down and stuff. But Solomon goes all the way to the top. Solomon's that friend that you forget that he's just good at everything, you know? Like this dude's super creative, he can play instruments, and he's athletic, and you just forget about all those things. So he climbs up all the way to the top, and it's pretty high up, and he gets to the very top, and we're like, dude, just use the rappel. Like, just let go, and just let the thing take you. And he's like, looking down, looking this way, he's like, I think I'm just going to climb down. So he starts to climb down, he gets like halfway, he stops, and we're like, dude, all right, try it. Like, you're not that far off the ground, just try it. He's like, no, I'm going to go a little bit further down. So he gets maybe to like two or three feet off of the ground. He's like, all right, I'm going to try it. And I kid you not, as soon as he lets go, this hook hung for like a second, and then boom, his belt loop came right off, like in an instant. And so he does that thing where like he falls, but he wasn't expecting it. He doesn't fall down, but he like lands. And he has like an existential crisis because he thinks, if I would have dropped from this high... I would have been done for, and all of us would have been witnesses, and I have no idea what we would have done at that point. Uh, call Gary, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what we would have done at that point. But all that to say, having amazing friends and having amazing fellowship with people, a community to be able to do life with, I believe is very necessary for us to have. It's great to have good friends. It's great to have people in our lives in order to rely on in order to grow with, because really, the people that you surround yourself is going to determine the direction of your life. Because you start to realize that the people that I'm with, I start to talk like them, I start to act like them, I start to pick up on habits that they have. And so be careful with the people that you surround yourself with. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Because the second thing that's talked about in Acts 2, verse 42, is that the disciples were devoted to fellowship. And tonight we're going to be talking about the exact same thing, devoted to fellowship. If you're taking notes, that's the message title for tonight. Whether it's on your notepad, whether it's on your phone, whatever it is, take notes tonight. Because I promise you it is going to come in handy at some point. The disciples were devoted to fellowship. And the interesting thing is, is that when we talk about fellowship, 
Sometimes what can happen is that we only think that that means community. That it only means, you know, I'm hanging out with people, I have friends, I have relationships. And yes, that's a part of it. And we need that side. But actually, fellowship goes much more and much further than just having a community around you. In fact, the Greek word, because uh, the Bible was not written in English, if you could have guessed. And so the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and the New Testament is written in Greek. So the Greek word for fellowship is koinoia. Someone say koinoia. You can put that on your resume. You know Greek now. Amen and praise God. Um, this word in Greek for fellowship doesn't just mean a community, but it also means sharing. And so it's almost as if fellowship goes beyond just having a group of people around us, but it actually means a shared participation within a community. And in this standpoint, ultimately what it's talking about is that it is a shared Christian community that is focused on participating with each other to further God's kingdom here on earth. It's not just hanging out. It's not just having friends. And yes, that's a part of it, but it is a shared participation that happens when we get together and when we have fellowship. When we're able to share experiences. When we're able to share stories of what it is that God has done inside of your life. How many of us have a testimony in here that would say that God has done things inside of your life? See, a fellowship would tell us that I can share those experiences with other people in my group to help support and encourage each of us. In fact, if we look all the way at the very beginning of the Bible, which is in the book of Genesis, we would see that relationship is almost necessary for people to survive. You see, when God made everything on this earth and, and everything around it, he said that all of it was good. The lights, the planets, the universe, the animals, the trees, everything was good. But the one thing that he noticed that wasn't good was that Adam was alone. And so he brings along Eve, he creates Eve from the same things that he made Adam out of. And he didn't just make her to have a, uh, you know, a marriage partnership with him, but he made Eve so that they would be in relationship with one another, a.k.a. fellowship. And my sermon in a sentence for us, if I can wrap up this entire message within one sentence, it's this. Fellowship is for us, but it's not about us. Fellowship is for us, meaning it is a necessary part of our lives. If we want to be successful in this life, if we want to have a fruitful and fulfilling life, fellowship has to be a part of it. But the challenge comes when we make that fellowship all about us and when we get selfish with it. See, tonight's message is gonna be a very simple message, but I can just be real with you that it is going to be a message that's gonna make you think. It's going to be a message that might change your perspective. And that's my hope, that's my goal, that's my prayer all throughout today as I was thinking about the message and as I was formulating it with the help of the Holy Spirit, that ultimately this message would help change your perspective to go from a mirror mentality, meaning all you do is look at yourself and think about yourself, and you have a window mentality, which gives you the ability to look out beyond yourself and see the people that are around you. Because that's really what fellowship is. Fellowship is for me, it's necessary for me, but it is not about me. Amen? We're going to be jumping into a story uh, found in the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are all the Gospels. It's the second one within the Gospels. If you find yourself in a book called Revelation, turn now while you still can. 
before dragons and locusts come out of that book. Um, if we could all stand in the honor of reading God's word, this is going to be the story that we find ourselves tonight as we talk about fellowship. This is where all of the points and all of the ideas are going to be coming from tonight. It says this in verse 1 in Mark chapter 2. It says, and when he, who is he? Jesus. So when Jesus returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. It wasn't his home, it was somebody else's home. Most likely one of his disciples. It says, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. So imagine you're in a room similar to this in every single space. I don't mean like chair, but every space is taken up and it's going out the door. You know, it's like an opening of canes, basically. Like just people are just flooded at this one location. It is like the uh, Starbucks that is right by Chaparral uh, in the morning. And all of you girls just want to get a grande water cup. Like, come on. Um, and, <laughs> dude, true story, bro. I, I've had experiences. Um, so many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching, Jesus was preaching the word to them. And they came. Now you're probably wondering who the heck is they. It's these four guys who are carrying their friend. It says, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Verse 4, this is where we'll end for right now. And when they could not get near him, meaning they couldn't get inside, they couldn't even get near to the door, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. I love that this translation says that they removed the roof. Because it almost sounds like the roof is just gone. You know, by the end of this, like the whole roof is just gone. And I feel so bad for whoever the homeowner was at this point. You know, just calling the roofer saying, hey, my roof is gone. Where did it go? I have no idea. You know, Jesus was here. He was preaching. He was saying a lot of good stuff. I was saying, come on, that's good. And all of a sudden, some dude on a mat came down, and some friends were helping him, and Jesus was talking to him, and he saved him. And then there was this whole argument, and then Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. And this guy just got up and walked right out. And I was so amazed. I didn't even know how the roof was gone. Like, I could only imagine how this guy was feeling at this point. And my only hope is that when I get to heaven, that I can ask God, God, what happened to that roof in Mark chapter 2? And I'm hoping that I can just see Jesus go into creative mode and just like repair the whole roof. You know, that's just what I'm hoping for at this point. And so it says, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic Lay. Before we continue any further, let's pray before we get into tonight. God, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for tonight. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the message that's about to go out, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just be inside of my heart, God, and that you would be working through me, God, through your words, through your thoughts, Lord, and that I would be able to listen in to what it is that your spirit has for us tonight, Lord. I pray, God, for revival inside of our lives, God. I pray, Lord, for seeds to be planted, and I pray, Lord, ultimately, God, that we would be able to come into a closer relationship to you, God. For those who are going to be in the relationship for the very first time, God, or for those who have walked away and are wanting to come back to you, Jesus. God, we love you, and we thank you, God, for all that you have in store for us tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody can say amen. amen. All right, have a seat. Point number one, if you are taking notes, like I said, it is highly encouraged. Point number one is I bring something to the table. Someone say, I bring something to the table. 
Meaning there is a gift, there is an ability, there is a passion, there is something that is God-given inside of you that you bring to the table when it comes to fellowship in the community and in the body of Christ. In fact, it literally says within other books in the Bible, specifically in the book of Corinthians, the apostle Paul is, is, is describing the church as a body. And he's saying that in the church, there's all types of body parts. As a body part is necessary to the body, same is every single person is necessary to the church. Why? Because there is no part, as in there is no person that is more important than the other. So we all bring something to the table. We are all necessary. We are all vital when it comes to the fellowship and when it comes to the body of Christ. And whether you know it or not, you bring something to the table. And I almost imagine that in this story in Mark chapter 2, these four guys are showing up with their paralytic friend. They're carrying him on a mat. And at this point, as they're getting closer to the house and as they're seeing the crowd coming out, they now have to come up with a game plan. Guess what? One of them had to come up with a plan. The other one, even before this, had to know where Jesus was. So maybe he heard about him. Maybe he was following him. Maybe he knew something that the other guys didn't know. So he brought the information to the table. The other guy had to probably have a ladder. Because how else are you going to get him up there? Throw him up? You know, like. So they probably had to use some sort of ladder. And then someone else had to have the rope. Or at least know where to get the rope. See, if one of those guys is missing from this equation, this miracle doesn't happen. And I wonder how many of us are sitting back here at Bridge Youth, sitting back in our school, sitting back in our families, and things aren't happening because we think that we don't bring anything to the table. There's certain things that aren't happening in your life. There's certain miracles that aren't going on in your family, in your school, in your friend group, in this space right here because you don't think that you bring something to the table. See, I don't think that it's a matter of, well, I just don't want to share. Well, I, I just... You know, I just don't want to participate. And maybe for some of you, that's how it is. But I do think that the vast majority of us, the reason why we don't think that we can bring something to the table is because we don't think that we have anything to bring. Or the thing that we have to bring is so, like, minuscule. I'm not really good at it. I can't really do it. You're kind of embarrassed about it because you don't know how other people are going to react. You know, it's like... I don't know, if you play drums or if you are learning guitar and it's like showing someone who's a skilled guitar player your first strings and you're worried that they're going to like make fun of you for it. And the reason why you're not bringing anything to the table is because you think that what you have to bring really isn't good enough. So I have to work on it, right? I have to get better before I can actually bring it to the table. Can I tell you that there is a miracle that happens within the Gospels, where Jesus is able to feel, uh, feed 5,000 people all off of a kid's lunch. Now, mathematically, that is not possible. But yet God was able to use the little bit that he had. Why? Not because of how much the kid had, but because the kid made it available. See, it's not really about how good you are. It's not really about what it is that you have. All you have to do is make it available and see what God does with it. This side of the room gets me. This side is still asleep. Because at the end of the day, you bring something to the table. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, not randomly made or by chance. I know that your science book wants to tell you otherwise, but you were designed by a God who loves you and who has a purpose over your life. And he did not make you by accident, but he made you on purpose. 
So, the question that I have for you, and I would encourage you, write this down, type this out in your notes. Even if you're not taking notes at this point, think about this question that I have for you. What do I bring to the table? What do I bring to the table? And maybe right now your mind's spinning. Maybe right now you're trying to think, well, where do I even start, right? I would ask three questions then. If you're trying to figure out what it is that you bring to the table, if you're trying to figure out what it is that God has given you, I would ask question number one, which is, what do you like? What do you like to do? And this doesn't even have to be based off of if you're good at it or not. There's plenty of things that I do that I am not good at, but I still enjoy doing them. Like for me, I enjoy rock climbing, and I'm not the best at rock climbing, but yet I still enjoy it, right? I like graphic design, but I'm not the best at it, but yet I can still enjoy it. So what is something that you like? What is something that you like to do? Well, I don't like anything. Okay. Well, how about this? What is something that you're passionate about? What is something that like when it gets brought up, when someone starts talking about it or when you start talking about it, you can't stop talking about it. And it's like you get naturally excited. You get naturally pumped because you're talking about the thing that you're passionate about. See, oftentimes the thing that God calls you to do is directly tied to the passion that he's given you. God's not going to call you to something that you naturally hate. God's not going to call you to something that you naturally despise. Why? Because he doesn't call you to do something because you're going to fail, but he calls you to do something because you're going to succeed. So he's given you a, sort, a certain passion, whether it's people, whether it's ministry, whether it's business, whether it's creativity, whatever it may be, think about in your own life, what is that thing that really gets you passionate about life? It gets you to dream. It gets you to think about your life ahead of time. It gets you to think about what it is that God has for you. It's the thing that you're passionate about, and it's the thing that you love. Well, Wyatt, I don't really love anything. Okay, for sure. Then the last question is, what breaks your heart? And I do not mean, well, Stephen in seventh grade broke my heart. <laughs> right? Like, I'm not talking about feelings, I'm not talking about emotions, but I'm talking about like what breaks your heart in a spiritual sense. What's that thing that when you see it, when you hear it, when you think about it, it's that thing that like, ah, oh, I, I just can't stop thinking about it. Like it hurts me. And like I said, not in an emotional sense, but in a spiritual sense, what breaks your heart? Because I really do believe that based off of those three things, even if you could only answer one of them, then I believe that one of those things is tied to what it is that you bring to the table. Where's, where, where's Dylan Henson at? This dude's so tall. Dude, it, when, he, when he lifts up his hand, he's taller than me sitting down. That's crazy. Dylan Henson, perfect example. This guy is a beast when it comes to baseball. You seriously are. And God has given you a passion, he's given you talent, he's given you ability. And I almost imagine today that the pitching mound that you stand on isn't just a pitching mound, but it's a platform for what it is that God's doing in your life. And not only are you reaching the teammates that you're a part of, but those teammates are also going to be reaching their parents as well. So when you're up there and when you're passionate about baseball, when you're passionate about the talents and the abilities that God's given you, don't just think of it from the standpoint of, well, I'm just pitching. Think of it from the standpoint of this gift and this ability is on display 
And ultimately, people are going to be able to see Jesus through me, how I carry myself, how I act, how I, my, my work ethic, my training, all of those things that you bring to the table is something that God has placed on your life for a reason and for a purpose. So don't let go of them. Riley Sylvester, I just saw you a little bit ago. Riley, hey, one day you got to let me know how you preach so well. Because when you shared about your story, your testimony, what it is that God was able to do, I really just imagined like, dude, this girl, whether she knows it or not, has an ability. And it's not out of your own ability, but it's out of God's ability that he's able to work in you and through you. So when you're up here preaching one day on this platform, Corey and I will be able to sit over here when we're in our 60s maybe and just think, I remember when Riley was up here sharing her testimony and now she's preaching up on the platform. So whether you know it or not, God's given you that ability for a reason and for a purpose. And we can go on and on. And I could have God give me a word for, 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 for every single one of you as to what it is that he's calling you to and what it is that, he, that you're passionate about. But I really do believe that based off of those things, use that and be honest with yourself and think, okay, I may not be good at it, but I really enjoy it. That's what I bring to the table. I might be passionate about it, and I have no idea what's next. I have no idea if this is going to be a career for me, but I'm passionate about it, and I don't think that that's by accident, so I'm going to bring that to the table. This thing, whatever it may be, breaks my heart. It hurts when I see it. It hurts when I, when I think about it. It hurts when I hear about it. And so this thing, whatever it is, is going to call me to go in a certain direction, and this is what I bring to the table. Because a fellowship is much more than just a bunch of people gathering, but it's a bunch of people being in community and sharing in experience and in passion with one another. Amen? So you bring something to the table. Uh, let's jump back into the story where we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, verse 4. We're going to hone in on this specific verse as we jump into our next point. It says, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Point number two, for everyone taking notes. If the first one is I bring something to the table, the second point is, but it's not about me. But it's not about me. Because when we make fellowship about us, it stops being fellowship. See, I think what ends up happening is that, you know, and maybe we know somebody like this, where no matter the situation, it's like they always try to put themselves as the center of attention. Anybody else know somebody like that? I didn't raise my hand as like guilty, but you know, if, if you know somebody like this, you know what I'm saying, right? It's like, like when you share something that happened today and you're like, man, I'm really excited about this. They're always one that comes in and is like, well, I had a better day. You got an A, I got an A plus. Try to beat that. <laughs> or it's the opposite. You share something that's hurting, you share something that's personal about yourself, and they come in, and it's like they try to tell an even sadder story, an even more emotional story. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, we're not in competition. We're in fellowship with one another. And so when we share about our passions, we're not competing with each other. We're complimenting each other. When we share about hurts, we're not competing with each other. We're comforting one another. Because the difficulty happens when we make fellowship about us. 
and about what we want and about what we are ultimately uh, feeling like we're entitled to. See, it's like the mentality when we come into church, we come into youth group, and we leave and we think, well, I didn't get anything out of that. You know, we come to a Sunday morning or we come to, you know, a, a connect group night, which is happening at, uh, 31st, 31st of January. We had one last year. It was amazing. But maybe you came to that and you thought, nah, I didn't really get much out of it though. So I probably won't show up for the 31st. Well, I mean, you didn't, you didn't really put much into it either. <laughs> like, if we're being real, if you just sit in a connect group and you don't say anything, it makes sense why you didn't get anything out of it. Because you made the connect group all about you. You made the connect group all about, well, I have nothing to share. Well, well you know, I don't want to talk about it. Well, I'm just a shy person. Do not use your shyness as an excuse to not share into the body of Christ. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, your story, your experience, you will be surprised how many people in your group can relate to you. See, I think one of the things that happens as a young person, as a high schooler, as a middle schooler, is that when you go through certain situations, you almost think that you're the only one going through it. You almost think that you're alone and isolated because no one could possibly have the same problems that I'm going through. Well, guess what? If you share those issues, maybe not get super personal and make it all about you, but if you share those issues, that person in that group who feels like they're all alone, who feels like they're isolated, is now going to realize, wait a minute, it's not just me. Wait a minute, I'm not just the only one who's going through this. Wait a minute, I'm not just the only one who's gone through this experience before. And what it does is that it causes us to grow together. That's really what true fellowship is. It's growing together. It's not one person in a spotlight. It's not one person making it all about themselves, but it's a group growing together in fellowship and in community with one another, going towards the call that God has for them in their lives. Because you bring something but it's not about you. Because yes, you might bring a talent, but that talent is only given to you because God allowed it to be given to you. This message is not about me because the only way that I am even able to stand up here, myself and Corey and Amber and any leader that's up on this stage, whether it be worship or speaking, the only way that we are even able to be up here is because God simply allowed it for it to happen. So it's not about us. And so when you bring something to the table, don't think, well, this is mine. Well, I guess I'll share what's mine. Well, it's actually God's and God wants you to share it. It's actually God and God gave it to you. Because I think in life, you know, nobody here, but I think what you might notice from your generation, I know myself possibly looking out and having a different perspective, one of the things that we notice about the generation coming up and the generation that's here now, is that there's almost this sense of entitlement. I know. Like I said, nobody here, but you know somebody who is. And you might just have to look into the mirror. Um, I'm just kidding. But truthfully, there is this like culture of entitlement that is creeping into this generation where it almost feels like, well, I deserve it. You should give it to me because I deserve it. Because I earned it. Because it's my right. And it's almost as if we expect special treatment because we convince ourselves that we deserve it. Because we feel like we're entitled to it. See, there's a 
there's an interesting thing going on right now too, and I guess I would only be able to describe it as NPC culture. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because I hate the videos whenever they show them, dude, of like the quests that you got to go on and whatever. But NPC culture has brought this idea to you that life really isn't real. That life is all about you. That there is this mirror mentality, as I talked about before, where you're just looking in the mirror. And everybody else isn't real. Everybody else is different. Everybody else is an NPC. Everybody else is a supporting character in my story. And what ends up happening is that we have this closed off view of people because we really don't think that they're real. And there's this word that's, that's it, it's a great word, but it's an even better definition. It's called sonder. And this word sonder is the realization that every person that is in this room and every person that you will ever meet has the same vivid and complex life as you do. Meaning every single person that you see at your school has feelings like you, has emotions like you, has pains, has hurts, has passions, has dreams, has a family, has a friend group. They have exactly what you have. And it's a weird thing to think about. Because I think sometimes we go throughout life not thinking that it's real. It's almost like we get sucked into this reality where it's like we just go on this routine. You know, I, I wake up, I get ready for school, I go to school, I go to all of my periods, I go to practice afterwards, and then I go back home, and then I study, hopefully, and then I do my homework, hopefully, and then you eat dinner, and then you take a shower, hopefully, and then you go to bed at the right time, hopefully, and then you wake up and you do it all over again. And it's almost like this routine has built inside of us that we are just on this track and there's nothing that we can do about it. And it's this realization that hits us that every single person, including ourselves, is a real person. And they all have feelings and they all have emotions and they all have dreams. The same anger that you feel at times is the same anger that your classmate feels. The same sort of happiness that you feel at times is the same happiness that your parents feel. They're real. You're real. And it sounds weird to say that. But I remember growing up and having this realization when I was going to college. And I still remember it so vividly when I was turning onto the freeway. And I had this moment of realization that, oh my gosh, I am awake and I am driving a car right now. You know what I mean? Like when you're going home and you're almost like an autopilot, it feels like the loading screen on a video game. And it's like, I'll get there someday. But I'm not really here. And then you have that moment of realization where you're like, oh my gosh, have I been... You know, in like our case, have I been driving this whole time? In your case, have I been in the car this whole time? Are, are, like, are we okay? Are we all right? And we have this idea that, again, life isn't really real. And ultimately, it's all about us because we're the main character. And everybody else around us is just a supporting cast. But when we get into that mentality, what it does is that it takes fellowship and it makes it about us and it is no longer fellowship. It's not really fellowship, it's just fellow, it's just me. It's just me on this journey of life and that is, oh my gosh, I almost fell. Would you? Let's try. Hey! We're on this journey of life. See, if I would have fell, that would have been real. Um, <laughs> we're on this journey of life and every person that we're in contact with and every person that we know is a real living person. 
But because we're sucked up and we're wrapped up in this whole idea of entitlement and, 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 and an NPC culture, any, way, any other way that I could put it, we think that it's all about us. And the difficulty is, is that sometimes we can bring that same mentality when it comes to our relationship with God. And we think to ourselves, well, God said it, so just give it to me. Okay, God, give me love today. Okay, God, give me grace today. Okay, God, I did something bad. Give me forgiveness today. And it's almost as if we treat God like a genie rather than a heavenly father. It's almost like we treat Jesus as like our servant rather than our brother who died on a cross for us. And I think it's almost as if we think of God as like a desperate boyfriend or a desperate girlfriend. Where it's like they're just so obsessed with me. Oh God, you broke my heart, make me feel better. God, I'm not having a good day today. Do something good for me. And I think that we have the wrong idea when it comes to God because he's not any of those things. He is a king. He is a heavenly father. And I think that we forgot that in order for us to even be here tonight, somebody else had to die so that we could be here. And other people, every person that wrote that book, or at least the majority of them died so that we could read back God's word and we can give it to you as a way of saying here. Every single person, all the disciples, all the apostles died without even knowing that you would be here tonight. So who are we to even have any bit of entitlement when someone had to die for us to be here? Because entitlement happens when we feel like we earned it. Entitlement feels like when we're entitled to it, a.k.a. I earned it, I deserve it, but grace is the complete opposite because God gives it to us and we don't earn it and we didn't deserve it. And yet Jesus laid down his life even when we didn't deserve it, even when we were still sinners, Christ died on a cross for you and for me. Again, imagine in this story, Mark chapter 2, verse 4, the guys get to the house, they have their friend, they're carrying him, it's crowded, they can't even get in. Imagine if instead of the story going the way that it did, they said, you know, guy number one says, well, I guess we'll try again later and just walked away. Or imagine guy number two said, well, what's in it for me? If I got to go through all this work, well, what's Jesus going to do for me then? Well, is he going to bless me? Is he going to help me? Is he going to be there for me? No, they did it not even knowing if Jesus was even going to see it, not even knowing if it was going to work. They brought what they had and they said, it's not about me. It's about Jesus because we have to get to him no matter what. See, these guys aren't named, not because they're unimportant, but because they're really not the main characters of the story. Jesus is. In this story, nobody else is named other than Jesus, and that's for a reason, because he is the center of attention. He is the main story. It's not about us, but it is about him. And all it took was for them to say, it's not about me, and we're going to go through with this. And I have a... A demonstration for us, just a quick, easy illustration. I'm not going to rap or anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. So I want to demonstrate what can, it, what can happen when all we do is just expect God. All we do is just have this entitled, uh, entitled mindset when it comes to receiving from God. And all we want to do is receive Right, and here's the thing. Yeah, God loves us, and he pours that out for us. Man, God gives us so much grace. He forgives us. He pours more into our life. 
God shows favor to us. You know, God opens up a door for us. As we were reading in our Bibles, man, God spoke to me. He did something amazing. He did something awesome. Wow. And God just keeps on pouring into our lives until it gets to the point where we, where we just can't hold on to it anymore. And what ends up happening is that if we were to leave this water exactly like that, come back tomorrow and drink it, it would be stale. And I know you're thinking, how can water be stale? Trust me, it can be stale. If you ever leave a water bottle out and you try to drink it again like three days later, it's going to be stale. And what ends up happening is that our relationship with God as a result, because all we're doing is just taking, all we're doing is receiving, all we're doing is what Pastor Corey talked about last week as the casual Christian, and all we're doing is just taking. God, give me. I'm taking from you. Give me all the love. Give me all the grace. Give me everything that you have for me. And I'll just keep on holding on to it. And, and, and the crazy thing is that God's going to do it. And God's going to give you love. And God's going to give you grace. And God's going to give you forgiveness. And he's going to give you mercy. And he's going to give you passions. And he's going to unlock doors for your life. But ultimately what's going to happen is that if, all, if it only stays there, you will realize that your relationship with God will grow stale. And you get to this point where it's almost like, well, I just don't feel God's love anymore. Well, I just don't, I, you know, the relationship that I was in with God was, you know, it was good at the beginning, but at some point it just kind of like petered out and I don't know, I, I, I just felt so distant from him. And if we left this water here for long enough, what, what would end up happening is that it would start to grow algae, it would start to grow bacteria, and this could get nasty over time. And our relationship with God can do the same thing. Where if all we do is just take from God, all we do is just receive from God, but we don't do anything with it, our relationship, no wonder why it feels stale. No wonder why we don't feel God's love anymore. No wonder why we don't feel like God's really talking to us because all we've been doing is taking and we've been holding. And we really haven't done anything with what it is that he's given us. In closing tonight, as we start to wrap this up, the last point for us before we jump back into the story and as we finish that off is I give what I receive. I give what I receive. So Jesus is teaching, he's preaching, he's doing his thing at this house, and all of a sudden this paralytic guy comes in on like a grappling hook rappel system, I imagine, and he goes right before Jesus, and Jesus is preaching and he's teaching. He's in the middle of a thought right now. And this guy comes right before him, and this is where we pick up on this story, Mark chapter 2, verse 5, it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, whose faith? Not just the paralytic man, but also his friends as well. When he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now you could imagine at this time, this caused quite an uproar. There were some religious leaders at this time, and they were really mad that Jesus said this. He said that your sins are forgiven. So they have this whole, you know, theological God debate happening as this guy is just laying before Jesus. And then it says this in verse 10. It says, but that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. I give what I receive. See, we go back to this idea of just taking and just receiving and expecting and having this entitled mindset where God should just give it to me. Why? Because I want it and I want it now. 
But ultimately, we fail to recognize that one of the reasons why Jesus gives us love is so that we would give that same love to others. The reason why Jesus poured out his grace and his forgiveness for us isn't just so that we can hold it in our lives like a water balloon until we can't have any more, but he gave it to us so that we can give that same grace and that same forgiveness to others. This is what it says within a few other verses in the Bible. I'm just gonna go through uh, four verses within the New Testament just to prove my point. First John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. So God pours out his love, we receive it, and it's out of that love that we love other people. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. There's a story in the Bible, it's a parable that Jesus tells, and he's talking about a guy who's in debt, massive debt, like in our context, you know, a million dollars. And he owes this guy a million dollars. And that same guy who he, who he owes calls him in. And this guy's thinking, man, I'm dead, I'm toast, like, like this is over for me. And he brings him in and he says, I forgive you of your debt. Go off and live your life. And the guy who was just forgiven walks out and he's happy and he's cheerful. But then he sees somebody who owes him money. And he goes up to him and he starts to beat him up saying, where's my money? And it's this idea that God has forgiven us of so much that how are we not able to take that same mindset and forgive somebody else? Because we've been forgiven, so thus we should forgive others. Galatians 5 verse 22, this is the famous uh, passage within the New Testament talking about the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and it goes on, and it goes on, and it talks about ultimately what it is that should be grown inside of our lives. See, the interesting thing is, is that when you think about fruit grown on a tree, who is the fruit for? It's not for the tree. It's for everything else around the tree. It's for the animals. It's to hopefully one day that fruit will fall and ultimately grow another tree. It's for us as humans. See, the fruit that we grow in our lives, the love that we have, the joy that we have, the peace that we have, that is ultimately given to us from God is really not for us, but it's for everybody else. And so, when we have love, when we have joy, when we have peace, then we should give those same things to people. This is for, I think this is for somebody right now, because I just saw the word patience. There's somebody in the room who needs to have more patience with their parents because you feel like that they've been on you, you feel like that they've just been very, very difficult on you. But be patient with them because as you're learning, they're learning too. Patience, as God has been patient with us, be patient with others. As God has been kind to us, it says in God's word that his kindness leads to repentance. As God showed kindness to us, show kindness to others. Jesus said these famous words in John 13, verse 35. It says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love, uh, if you have love for one another. Here's a question that I have for you. It might be a challenging one. If people at your school heard that you've been a Christian, would they be surprised? Based off of the way that you act, based off of the way that you talk, 
based off of the attitude and the way that you carry yourself at school, if other people found out, hey, that person's a Christian, would they say, there's no way? Because what they're doing doesn't look like that. What they're saying doesn't look like that. Would people be surprised? Would your teachers be surprised? That's, I, I think that's even a better one. Would your teachers be surprised if they found out that you were a Christian? It's something to think about because it brings us back to this place. Have I been taking more than I've been giving out? Has my faith and has my relationship with God been stagnant? Because ultimately, I believe that this is what it should look like. You know, if we receive the love that God has for us, then ultimately, I'm not gonna use that. Ultimately, this is what it should look like, right? This is our life. This is, this is the love, this is the grace, the peace, the patience that God has for us. Ultimately, as God pours it out for us, we ultimately pour it out for others. See, what's interesting is that I tested this in the office today. If you walked by my office at some point today, you would see me poking this cup with a little safety pin like thousands of times trying to get this to work. And what I did to test it is that I put this over, or sorry, under running water. And what I noticed is, is that no matter how much water went into it, it never overflowed. Now I know what you're thinking. If you're good at physics or chemistry or whatever, you're thinking, well, duh, because of the uh, inertia that's in whatever. I, I didn't even think about that. And I realized that in that moment is that if we live our lives in this way, ultimately as God pours out, we give that to other people. This is our community, this is our life. This is what God's calling us to. Uh, notice that the water can never be stale. Look at that. It just keeps on going. And so God can keep on pouring out. God can keep on moving. You can keep on receiving. But as you receive, give that to people. Give that to the people in your life because you have no idea how much they need it. You would be surprised how many students at your school don't feel loved at home. You will be surprised how many students at school feel like they're all alone, feel like they have nobody. And it's possible that the reason why they still feel that way is because you ultimately haven't given what it is that God's given you. Notice in this story, Mark chapter 2, when Jesus says that your sins are forgiven and it was by their faith that your sins are forgiven. It's interesting because when we look at Romans chapter 10 verse 17, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's almost as if what ended up happening was that these friends, however many heard about it, but these friends somewhere down the line heard about Jesus, heard about the miracles, heard about who he was, heard about his love and his grace and his ability and heard about what he was doing. And somewhere along the line in just hearing about Jesus, they thought if he can do it to them, Surely he can do it to our friend. And it was in that moment that they received the faith to go out and bring their friend to Jesus. See, what they were giving in that moment wasn't just love, but they were using the faith that God gave them and they poured it out towards their friend to Jesus. They used what God gave to them and they poured it out as almost like a sacrifice to Jesus saying, Jesus, here's our friend. We've seen you heal many people before. We've seen you cast out demons. We've seen you save people. We've seen you use uh, other people in, in amazing ways. And if you could do it for them, surely you can do it for our friend. 
And it was because of their faith that ultimately Jesus not only saves him, but he also performs the miracle. Is it possible that your friends are still not healed and are still unsaved because there's something that God has given you that you have not yet given them? Is it possible that there is a miracle waiting to happen, but God's saying, hey, I'm giving you everything. You just gotta pour it out for them. Hey, your school, you might think that it's unreachable, but I'm pouring into your life so that you can pour it out to them and watch what I'll do. Watch what I'll do with the love that I give you. Watch what I do with the grace that I give you. Watch what I do with what I give you in talents and abilities. And it might not seem like a lot, but ultimately God can still pour out his love and reach a thousand people at your school. But it's up to us to ultimately make that decision to say, God, as you pour out, I'm gonna pour out too. God, I'm not gonna hold on to this love. I'm not gonna hold on to this message. I'm not gonna hold on to all of this stuff because I know that if I do, it's not gonna get me anywhere. And I recognize that other people in my life need it more than even I do. And tonight we're gonna have an opportunity to do the first part. See, Jesus saves this man. And tonight we're gonna have the opportunity to do that. Because maybe for some of you, you're thinking, well, that sounds nice to receive love from God. That sounds nice to receive grace from God. It sounds nice to be able to be forgiven for what I've done. And, and I know maybe for some of you, you're thinking to yourself, God loves people, but he doesn't love me. Because he doesn't know what I've done. Because he doesn't know the mistakes that I made. He doesn't know the sins that I've committed. He doesn't know the things that I've think about and the things that I've done. And, and, and he just doesn't know. But can I tell you that even God knows and he still chooses to love you. So yes, God's love is for you. Yes, his grace is for you. And so don't pass it on to the next person. Take it for yourself because it's for you and God wants to pour that out for you. And so right now we're gonna have that moment with every single head down, eye closed. In this place tonight, this is a personal moment. This is a time for us to be able to bring God everything, to be able to bring God our hurt, our pain, and ultimately say, God, I need you. Jesus, you died on a cross so that we would be able to be here tonight. And so Jesus, I wanna receive your grace. I wanna receive your love. I wanna receive all that you have for me. And we're gonna take that moment right now. Because if you're here tonight and you would say, you know what, I want that love. I want that grace. before, but you drifted away, or maybe you've never been before, and you want to be in a relationship with Jesus tonight, and you want your life to never be the same again, and you want God to pour out his love and his grace over you straight from heaven and into your life. If that's you, I'm going to count down to three. When I count down to three, all I want you to do is just lift up your hands. Keep it up there just for a second, and then put it right back down. It's a physical sign of something that's going on in your spirit, as if to say, God, here I am. I'm right here. I'm ready to receive. So all across this place, and this is for you. One, God loves you. Two, this moment's for you. Three, raise your hand right now if that's you. If that's you, you wanna, see, you wanna receive God's love, his grace, his mercy, his salvation, amen. You can put your hands down. As a community, as a fellowship, let's repeat these words after me because God's word says that if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our hearts that 
Jesus is Lord and that God rose him from the dead, then we will be saved. As you rose your hand, that was as it to say, God, I believe in you. And now we're gonna do the second part and confess with our mouth. And so repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, come into my life because I need you. I know I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. But Lord, tonight I make the decision to follow you. I give you my life and I believe that you died on a cross for my sins and you rose again from the grave. And I'm gonna follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we make some noise for the people that just accepted Jesus tonight? Amen. Hey, we're gonna, we're just gonna stay in this moment for right now. I promise you, we'll get into worship. But let's just stay in this moment right now of talking about receiving from God and, and ultimately the part that we play in that. You know, this year's 2024 and I feel like time just goes by so quick and so fast and you know, as I'm thinking about fellowship and as I'm talking about relationships in my life, there's a friend of mine, his name's Dante. And Dante and I go way back. We ran track together in high school. We were both sprinters. He was mainly a 400 meter runner and a 200 meter runner. I was a 100, 200 meter runner. But Dante and I were always close and we knew each other really well. And our families knew each other. I went over to his house a bunch, vice versa. My parents knew him. I knew his parents. And ultimately, growing up in high school and even moving on to college, Dante's one of my best friends. And this year will mark eight years that Dante passed away. You know, it was a point at 2016 when I was at a school of ministry class in Costa Mesa and there was a break in the class. And so I go out on my phone, on Instagram. And one of my friends posted a picture of him and Dante and it was like, like a pretty old photo that was used. And so I was curious and so I, I look at the caption and it's like a story, it just opens up. And he's talking about Dante, how, how Dante passed away that morning, late at night, 3 a.m., drunk driver. And it was almost like that moment when you know you, like when you see news that you think there's no way that it's real, like, <laughs> no way. And I had that moment and I almost had to try to find out if it was real. And so I go on Twitter when I used to have one and sure enough, a bunch of my friends from high school are posting, RIP Dante, RIP Dante, we'll miss you. Can't believe it. And so what did I do? Put my phone away. I went back to class and I try not to think about it. And I get through class, and by the time that I'm leaving, I'm in Costa Mesa, like I said, I'm in the area, I'm gonna hang out for a little bit. And so I called my parents, and they both knew Dante. And I called my mom, I started talking to her about how the class went and what I learned. And, and then I asked for my dad, because my dad used to run track, and he helped Dante and I out a lot when it came to like practice and form and technique and all of that. And, I remember telling my dad, I said, hey, you wouldn't believe it. But Dante passed away 
it was last night in the morning and I, I, I can't even believe it. And my dad was shocked and he couldn't believe it either. And it was like that moment just, it's like I can still go back to it. And even though it's been eight years almost, it, it like still, still has that lasting feeling because he was my friend and I still miss him. And the thing that my mind went to was not just on a physical level, but ultimately on a spiritual level. And my mind started to ask myself the question, where is Dante now? Because here at Bridge Youth, we believe that this life that we live right now is temporary, but it sets us, it sets us up for how we're gonna spend eternity. And the thing that hurt my heart so much was that I had opportunity after opportunity to talk to Dante about Jesus, to pour out the love and the grace and the forgiveness that God ultimately gave me in high school. And I had opportunities to talk to him. It wasn't like I was going across the street to a neighbor and talking to them like I never knew them before, but I was gonna be having the opportunity to talk to one of my best friends. And what did I do? I let it go. I didn't take it. And like I said before, life is real. And at the end of the day, we can plan our life and we can have everything sorted out and we can think to ourselves, I'm good until tomorrow. But I don't think that on that night, Dante thought to himself, this is gonna be my last night. This is gonna be my last time behind this car. <laughs> he had plans, he had dreams, he had vision. And I'm saying all of this not to put ourselves in like this fear factor or scare tactic moment, but I'm saying this because God pours out his love for us. And there's people in your life that you have the opportunity to give that same love to. And you would be surprised, like I said, how many people need it and how many people will, will receive it all because you're already in relationship with them. So what I wanna do is during this response time, like I said, we're gonna come up to the front to worship, not right now, but I really wanna pray that God would give you a person, that God would give you a Dante, that God would put somebody on your heart right now to say, this is my person and this is who I'm gonna pour out the love that God gave to me. I'm gonna pour out the grace and the forgiveness that God ultimately gave me. For those who rose your hand tonight and you received salvation, that's amazing. But can I tell you, your Dante also needs that salvation as well. And we're gonna believe that God not only gives opportunity, but ultimately that God brings them in and that they will be here at Bridge Youth, they will be here at church, they will be able to be here in a place where they can experience the love of God and they can experience the same salvation that you ultimately receive tonight. And so right now, wherever we're at, could we just stand? Again, don't come to the front just yet, we'll come up right after we pray. And all I want us to do is that I just want us to put our hands out and just close our eyes. You know, this right here, this is a posture of receiving. It's a posture of reception. And ultimately, all we're gonna say tonight is, God, whoever it is that you're putting on my heart right now, the names, the faces, the people, God, I stretch my hands out to you as if to say, give me the words, give me the opportunity, give me the time, give me the moments. Give me exactly what it is that I need to do, God, because when I see them next time, when that opportunity comes up, I'm not gonna shy away from it. 
And this is a real moment because when we pray this prayer, don't be surprised when God opens up a door. And when God opens up a door, know that you're not going in it alone, but you're going in it with him by your side and he's gonna be the one guiding you and leading you. So right now, all across this place, with your hands out, thinking about that person, praying about who it is that God has for you to go and talk to. God, we bring these names to you right now, Jesus. God, we bring these faces, we bring these people, God. Lord, we bring them before you, Jesus. God, and we have our arms stretched out to you as if to say, give us all that we need, God. Lord, give us opportunity. Give us a date, give us a time, give us a place, God. Lord, maybe it's even the next time that we see this person. God, give us a moment. God, and when you give us that moment, Lord, as our arms are stretched out, God, give us the words. Give us the attitude, Lord. Give us the spirit. Have your spirit even go before us, God, even right now, Jesus. Talk to the people that are on our hearts right now, Jesus. Talk to the people that you've given us even right now, Lord. Just begin to prepare their hearts and begin to prepare their minds, God, for the message that this young person has for you, Jesus. God, and as we speak and as we convey your message, God, and as we simply give the the testimony and the story of our life, Lord, I just pray, God, that that person that we're talking to, God, would be receptive. Let them be ready to hear, God. Let them be anticipating it, God. Let them be expecting it, Jesus. That as you pour out your love and as you pour out your grace, God, I just pray that we would be able to be a broken vessel before you, Jesus, and that we too would pour out the love and the grace that you're giving to us, Lord. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you, God, for the opportunities that are ahead of us. And God, when they come, when the doors open, give us courage, give us strength, give us all opportunity, God, to walk through them with confidence, knowing all that you are with us and that you go before us, God. Help us, Jesus. Make it clear, make it evident, and speak to us, God. In your name we pray, amen. We're gonna get into a time of worship. So if everybody from, from the back of the room all the way to the very front row, come up for worship. We're gonna get into a time right now. And I really want to encourage you, as we talk about the opportunities, as we talk about the attitudes, and as we talk about what it is that God wants to do in your life and through your life, use this moment of response to continue to pray. Continue to believe, continue to receive from God all that he has for you.
all across this place, can we sing that out a couple more times with our hands just lifted? In a moment with God, just telling him how much we love him. Sing it out. Jesus, we song of worship um, there's two things kind of on my mind and uh, one is like who's your Dante and who's my Dante well for a lot of us Dante might be a friend that we have for many of us um, our Dante would be a family member mine would be my brother and my sister who do not know the Lord so as we move into this next song um, I want to encourage you guys to utilize, maybe maybe you never have, or maybe you don't know what these stations are um, off to your right and left with the lights, but we call these our prayer stations. And at the prayer stations, there'll be two people there, our, our prayer team with lanyards on. These are just people of faith, our team that want to join in prayer with you. And so while we move into this next song, I just want to give you guys the freedom. If you got to kind of squeeze through the crowd and get over, you, you won't distract anybody moving through the crowd. Maybe you want to go and write that person's name down and and join in prayer with somebody. But the second thing that was on my mind as we move into this next song is um, maybe as, as Wyatt asked you the question, what do you bring to the table? Maybe you don't really know, but maybe you have a heart that's like, but I wanna bring something. You know, I, I, I don't wanna just be the, the cup that's full and grows stagnant. I, I, I don't wanna be the one who just takes, takes, takes and never gives. So. Like maybe if I join in faith with somebody and I say like, would you pray with me, God? Would you show me what it is that I bring to the table? Because I want to be used by you. In this next song, I just want to give you guys the freedom to, to utilize this prayer team, utilize these prayer stations for those two things. Because I really do believe that prayer changes things. So before we move into this next moment, would you just lift your hands, close your eyes, forget for a moment that you're in a crowded room. For this moment, it's like, you're standing in the presence of God, just you. God, I pray, put on our heart whoever that person is for each of us and give us a genuine, authentic, organic moment and to just share with them how good you are. God, I pray that anybody who doesn't know what they bring to the table, God, that you'd even speak to them during this next song, reveal to them and show them what it is that they can bring to the table. Jesus name. Hey, let's worship. Utilize these prayer stations in this next song. Exaltation. I 
out. Who else is worthy? Tell them tonight. And there is no one. It's only you, Jesus. Who else is worthy? Who else is worthy? There is no one. Only you, Jesus. There is no one. Only Jesus, there is no one, only Jesus. Now I wanna I wanna reiterate a question that Wyatt asked us, and Wyatt asks us, what do you bring to the table? And as Wyatt was um, challenging us with that, I, I wrote down in my in my journal where I take notes. What if, somebody say what if, come on say what if, what if God could use you in ways that would blow your mind, and then I wrote, all it takes is a little devotion, what if God could use you in a way that could blow your mind, I, I, I spent the last five days in Idaho preaching up at a camp in a mountain city that none of you have ever heard of. It was negative 20 degrees, y'all. Yes, I said negative. But here's the thing. I've always been a talker. I've always been, when Wyatt said, anybody got that friend that always needs to be the center of attention? <laughs> that was always me. And I've always been a talker. You could ask my wife, like, even, in our, even when we argue, because yes, pastors even argue with their spouse. She'll be like, babe, this conversation's been over for an hour. And I'm like, I know, but I gotta like, I gotta get it out there, you know? <laughs> and God has used something so simple. How, how weird is this, you guys? This is so humbling to me. There are people who will call me from states away, organize all this stuff, bring out hundreds of students to come and they'll, they'll have me get on two airplanes, one of which was two and a half hours delayed, fly me states away, pick me up, put me in a hotel, bring me up to this mountain, all so that I could talk into a microphone? It's just talking. But when you take something simple that maybe you're a little bit gifted at, maybe you're a little good at, and you just devote that thing to God, he takes the ordinary and he makes it extraordinary. He takes the natural and he makes it supernatural. So what do you bring to the table? And what if you bringing that thing to the table could get God to use you in a way that would blow your mind? I don't know why, but in this moment, I, I really wanted to bring up um, the people in the room who are introverted. Like you are shy. Like the thought of getting on this stage right now and grabbing a microphone and talking to 300 and something teenagers is like the most terrifying thing to you. Can I tell you, some of the people God loves to use the most are introverted people. And one of the things that I worry so much about is maybe that you would allow you being introverted to be the thing that robs other people of the blessing of what you bring to the table. 
I think about Connect Group Night in, in two weeks, that you might be the person who goes, oh, uh, I love like sitting in my back left corner and not having to talk to anybody. But on that night, I'm gonna be in a smaller group where they're gonna ask me questions. And maybe somebody might even want me to respond. Oh God, no. Oh my gosh, but I think of some of you that I know personally, that man, what, what you have to share is just incredible. Like what you've been through and your story is so unique. And like as a youth pastor, it breaks my heart to think that, that maybe you wouldn't share that out of fear or out of just, ah, I'm just introvert. Introverts, unite. <laughs> I'm not one of you. I'm totally an extrovert. But my wife is like one of the most introverted people I know. And man, like what God's placed in her and the things that she's, that she has to bring to the table are amazing. Bridge Youth wouldn't happen without her. So man, step up and step in. Step up and step in. Hey, could you guys just join me in thanking Wyatt for such an incredible message tonight? Hey, um, maybe tonight, you, you a couple minutes ago, you, you raised your hand and you received Jesus for the first time, and you're like, what am I getting myself into? I felt the same way. But what you're getting yourself into is a fellowship and a family, and we wanna walk this journey out with you. We have a free gift called The Next Seven Days. We wanna give it to you. Just go to our Instagram, DM us the words next seven. We'll handle the rest. It's literally seven videos of this guy just sharing what I bring to the table, what the Word of God has to say about your next week and your faith journey. But hey, you just joined an amazing family. So Bridge Youth Family, can you join me in welcoming people into God's family? Yo, this Sunday, somebody say this Sunday. We got connect groups and you bring something to the table. So come and join us. Don't miss this Sunday. Hey, let's worship God one more time. Come on, Bridge Youth, clap those hands. I was searching for something, something I knew was never couldn't see. I remember the moment when the one I was searching for found me. I can't make sense of it, no getting over it How much you love changed everything Oh, cause I know you now, how could I go without Jesus, you're more than enough for me I don't need anything else I need your love, I need your love I don't want anything else I need your love
Sunday morning.